Hi, activators. It's time to stop thinking women aren't good with money. I'm Ariel Shire, and I help women feel completely confident in their finances through connecting their personal values with their day-to-day behaviors. I'd love for you to enjoy 50% off my course, Beyond Financial Mistakes, that will help you break free from guilt and unhelpful money behaviors so you can start growing into a healthy money mindset. Enroll at valueandinvestacademy.com and enter code HALF, H-A-L-F, at checkout. I can't wait to meet you at valueandinvestacademy.com. Okay, we're, we're recording. All right, what? take two. Hey, hey. <laughs> hey, 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 I'm Steph. And I'm KB. And, and we, we are, are Activate Podcast. Podcast. We are two Jesus-loving mamas who may cuss a little. This podcast is our passion. Get ready to tag along through the ups and downs of our crazy lives. We're going to bring you guests that will inspire and encourage you to grow in your health and in your faith. We will talk about parenting, relationships, fitness, and nutrition. We will bring you the latest fashion tips and share all of our favorite things. Our goal with this podcast is to bring you some laughs and relatable, inspiring content that will encourage you to activate your life. Hey, 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 Steph, how are you doing? <laughs> hey, girl, hey. How's it going? Oh, we're a little disheveled for a second. I'm it's glad. going. It's just how we are. It's how yeah, we you know, yeah. We just have to roll with it. It's just, it's just what it is. We're, we're moms and we're just doing it the best we can. We are. And I just wanted to quickly, even though it's the very beginning of the show, I want to say thank you to Brooke for um, giving me feedback <laughs> this week, last week, this week. Um, she was so cute. She's like, I know you said nobody gives you feedback. So I just wanted to give you feedback. And it, it's amazing. Like how so good I good felt. Yeah. It feels good. You know, it's, yeah. it, it did. It felt so great. And so thank you for doing that. And the that other, works sweet. yeah, the other ones of you that are listening, maybe you're not listening till the end where we're telling us to give us feedback and share. What do you shut us off early or what's going on? <laughs> you don't want to hear us all the way. Through. I expect about 500 messages each week. <laughs> I know. Come on. Just fill our cup back. Come on. We like to be filled up too. That's right. Um, so what's been, how's your week? Um, Friday. Well, honestly, <laughs> I mean, we only have so much time, but yeah, honestly, <laughs> um, it's been rough. Um, it's just, it's hard. It's new. It's hard. I almost gave up already. Homeschool you're talking about. Homeschooling. Yeah. Um, but I did something that I don't usually do. And I reached out. Ask for help. That's not completely true. If he were in school, I just would be in there being like, right. okay, look, so <laughs> I, I guess I do do that. Anyways, I reached out because it's just how it, how it is right now. It's not working for us. Um, so his teacher called me, we had a really great talk. She was great. And then there's also like a, a lead over like the K through two or whatever, um, program. And so I spoke with her for quite a bit yesterday too. They gave me some really great ideas. Um, we adjusted his schedule a little bit. And, um, the thing is, is that he just needs more. He's, he needs people. Like I need people, I think. Um, So his teacher is going to do like a one-on-one with him each week. And then he's actually going to start like a small group reading next week. And then there's some other like, um, clubs that he'll be able to start and stuff like that. So, well, it's just, we're trying to figure out the schedule. I'm trying to a couple days go to the gym too, so he can have kind of a break. But then what I'm finding is that 
you know, after lunchtime and in the afternoon, he's, he's done. Um, so it's just, it's a process, but, um, yeah, yeah. I feel much better today. A couple yeah, days it's ago. It's a learning curve. It's so, it's completely new. So it's, yeah. it's new to both of you. So I'm yeah. proud of you for sticking with it and reaching out for help. And I'm so happy that when you reached out, you got answers that, you know, were helpful and positive and lifted yeah. you up and gave you the spirit to keep on doing it. And, you know, to know that you're doing the right thing. So that's good. Yeah. Sure. So Ashley, Ashley went back to school this week yeah. and it was a couple of rough nights. Um, he, he doesn't cry when I drop him off, but he had two, the, the night before school. And then the first night of school, he was, he cried off and on like that night, the day he got home until bedtime, like yeah. just, you know, and he's like, it's not school. It's just that I miss you and I don't get to see you. And he said, I think when kids are little, they should at least be able to call their mom one time a day. Oh, I said, I agree, buddy. I said, but I can, you know, I can text Miss McGeehee and I can check on you and make sure that you're doing okay. And I do do that. So just know that if you ever see her, look at her phone. She's probably hearing from mommy, you know, that she's yeah. just checking on you. And, um, but and she's just, the best, the best, the best. Yes. Um, but, uh, so he said to me that the first night of school, I was getting frustrated with the on and off, like, like, buddy, you had a good day. Why are you crying? Everything is okay. You know, and I, I rarely get, have to get firm with him or right. get frustrated or anything. And so I'm like, come, just come here. Let's talk this out. And I was laying on my beanbag and he came over and laid by me and he said, mommy, are the five phases of grief real? And I said, I said, um, well, this, I know there's stages of grief. I don't know how many there are. And so he's like, can you ask? So I'm like, Siri, what are the five stages of grief? And it pops up and there's five swallow stuff. <laughs> She's going to spit her drink out. Almost ruined the Mac. Oh my yep. God. I love um, it. So, so I look and there are five and I'm like, how do you even know this? And he just shrugs the shoulders and he, he goes, what are they? And I said, uh, well, uh, you know, anger, denial, bargaining, depression, acceptance. And he goes, which one means sad? And I said, well, I guess that would be depression, you know? And he's like, that's which one I'm in. I'm like, oh, buddy. And I said, well, the good news is the next stage is acceptance. So we're almost to the, we're we're almost at the end. The first four, the first three. <laughs> oh, my gosh, but I'm what seven-year-old knows about the stages of grief and oh my gosh it was just like heartbreaking and so like funny at the same time like oh my goodness he's in the fourth stage of grief on his first day of school you know like sweet boy um but it's been really good and I can tell it's good for me you know to have that time I've been like my schedule's been packed I had two clients today and then recording this podcast and um, I'm staying busy. So that's good. It's like all, the, you know, like all of a sudden it's pickup time. It's like, what yeah. the heck? Where'd the day go? Yeah. Um, so that's good. It's been really good. And, um, got my first email about Caleb yesterday. He signs into his classes and then plays, um, arc on his video game. So he put on his headphones and they're calling his name and he never answered them. And so he got counted as absent. I go, you need to come down here for a minute. And he goes, did they call you or send you an email? <laughs> Like, well, either you bring your PlayStation downstairs or you do your school downstairs sitting here next to me because this isn't going to happen. But anyway. Well, 
You'll have that. He's a smart one, man. <laughs> a little shit. He's a smart one. Uh, yeah. But also, that's the norm. Um, my friend, you know, my neighbor, she teaches high school, and I just feel for her. I feel for everybody, everybody right now. The teachers, yeah. the parents that are teachers, the kids, yeah. everybody. Um, but she's, you know, she's like, I put them into breakout rooms, and they all have their camera off. They all yeah. have their thing on mute, and they're supposed yeah. to be a small group discussion. You know, right. that's just, it's just. I mean, they're gonna do what they can get away with. I hate to say, but yeah. I would, you know, we probably would have. Yeah, if so you haven't been like homeschooling for life, you're. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. Taking advantage of the situation. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, they're starting to vote. At, I mean. Not that I am going to do that, but um, the public schools around here are going to start back. Yeah, I saw Fakir is going, but yeah, yeah, that's Fakir good. That's good. I think they all need to be in school, mm -hmm. um, but don't send me a message about that. Um, <laughs> actually, that's one other thing I wanted to say. One, thank you everyone who reached out and was like, tell me right now the name and address of whoever said something mean about you. Cause I'm gonna, and I appreciated so much just that you started out that way and took up for me. And it just means a lot to me and everything's fine and everyone's blocked and life is good. Right. Um, but I had not one, but two social media instances, um, in the last couple of days where it was, I posted something political, which I rarely, rarely do. And it began to get, I mean, people were just arguing on my post and I was getting so uncomfortable. How did I miss this? Yeah. Getting anxiety. And, um, and then I, delete, I deleted the post and then the people were mad that I deleted the post and it all actually ended up um, kind and loving and we're all it was like classmates from from high school and was. we all but but it all ended up good and happy it's just like if you if you kind of come at people with love it, it that's can just the whole the situation point. right you don't have to just argue we all came at it with love and we all cooled down and it ended well and I was really happy with that resolution of that problem but then there was one other one. So I got one comment on Stellan's picture of the, his deer, right? So it's always very controversial if I post a picture of a dead animal. Where are um, these people from that think it's... Not the Midwest. Right. Um, so I had one person, um, and I don't know her. She, I don't know if she's just a Facebook friend, if she's an activator. I have no idea. Um, wait, but wait, you're not posting a picture of your son with a gun. You're posting a picture of your son with the animal that he yeah. shot. With right. So with a gun. Could, you could do both. Right. I might still, but, but anyway. Um, so one was just like asking like, will he use every part of the deer and blah, blah, blah. And um, I, I, you know, I'll, they'll eat the meat. He'll mount the rack. And then she asked if the hide would be used. And I said, well, most of the hide is used in the mount and you know jonathan's over there like i don't know has she ever eaten a cow before did she use the hide you know <laughs> you know like yeah, exactly. um I, people just to each their own on that but then someone um said this morning what kind of what kind of gun was that deer wielding that made it okay for your son to shoot him as if like the deer was a threat <laughs> 
Oh boy. <laughs> and I was just like, hmm. And then he wrote very impressive. And I was like, so is he arguing with me or is he just like taking a little jab? And then it was a joke, maybe. Well, no, well, no, he, I, so I, message I or he sent a message and he said I seem to be the only one that disagrees with this post what the hell and I said probably because everyone that's commenting are people that I know and they're like-minded and they're from home where hunting is acceptable in a, a you know a well-loved sport and he went on and on and wanted me to explain to him why um why there's pride associated with killing a defenseless animal and I said Buddy, I got three clients today. I got a podcast to record and I'm heading to the gym. If you want to know about hunting and the sport of hunting and everything that goes into being a hunter and how hard people have to hunt, um, you know, just look it up. <laughs> I'm so I, it was just like it. politics. Like, I'm not going to change his mind about hunting, nor do uh -huh. I care to. But, but I'm so sad that I missed your political post because you know what happened to my political post. But I also, do. I, do. I'll, I can fill you in later and it, it, it's all okay. But, it, it, but the whole it point just, about it is people can agree to disagree, but holy cow. Yeah. You don't like what some like. Well, some people can't agree to disagree that and that's the thing. Just right? be quiet then. I am so quiet on thousands of people's posts a day. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Can't even hear me. <laughs> Can't even hear a word. Uh, you see me like this. Uh, None yeah. of you can see me. Okay. All right. Well, so we are lucky enough today to have a guest on Activate who um, is a friend of yours from church. Yeah. And she um, was kind enough to help me out when I was doing my practice coaching. And she has um, a program to help women with their finances. And so I thought, gosh, this would be just a perfect person to have on Activate. In fact, you may have heard her ad last week and you just heard it if you're just tuning in. Yeah. Um, so Ariel Shire helps women feel completely confident in their finances by connecting their personal values with their day-to-day -day behaviors. She is the, cre the creator of Value and Invest Academy and is committed to ditching the belief that women aren't good with money. She has over 15 years of experience working in all aspects of financial management. She loves to help people from all walks of life managing their money according to their values and priorities and helping them enjoy the feeling of wealth today and into the future. Uh, she chose to talk about money because money reveals and reinforces what we believe and value. So she says the better she got with money, the better she got with her life. Mm -hmm. um, and areas that she struggled with in her life were directly reflected in how she handled her finances. So I think that many, many, many of us can, you know, resonate with this message and can use the help in the area of, of finances. For sure. So welcome to Ariel Shire. Hey, hey, hey. I was waiting for it. I need to take a picture. I can't go. <laughs> How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited about our guest today. Me too. Me too. We have Ariel Shire. Uh, you heard her little bio um, as we got started. And this is something I've been actually wanting to talk about on here for a long time about women and their finances. Yeah. Um, so welcome, Ariel, and thank you for coming on. And we're just excited to hear about all the things you have going on. So excited. Um, Ariel's a friend of mine from church. And so it's been awesome. She's always been such a huge supporter of us, as you know. And so I love it when we can 
kind of come full circle and do all of that. And um, yeah, I am super excited too, because for one, just the position that I'm in with my business, it's super important to kind of like know what you're doing financially. Um, and just, I think in general, a lot of women feel like they, you know, don't hold a space in finances. You know, a lot of women that I talk to just are, they're always like, well, I stay home with the kids. I don't, I don't have finances. I don't have, you know, anything. So I think this is going to be super empowering for, um, just for women in all stages. So thank you for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. I really love talking about money, but I love talking about money because it reveals what matters to us. And that's what's so exciting about this topic. And that's what I love talking about with people in general, but with women in particular, because when you start talking about values, it completely changes the conversation. Hmm, interesting. So can you start by telling us just how you got into this space in the first place? Well, I'm going to start all the way back in 2014. Um, we had bought a fixer upper. It was our second fixer upper. We like house projects. And um, 2014 spelled a few financial problems for us. Uh, we found out that our septic went and our heat had gone. And I was laid off in the middle of surprise, my third pregnancy. And then my husband was between contracts. And suddenly I learned a really big lesson, which is you can do everything right and things still don't always work out. And we were really fortunate. We had been saving diligently and we had money to handle things. But that circumstance caused us to kind of go into a permanent crisis mode where all we were doing was saving, saving and saving and saving, which is normal, right? You go through something and you're like, ah, I need to get in control. Fast forward a few more years, Glenn and I uh, were out to dinner. We had started, you know, going out a little bit and we said, oh, let's just, what's going on? We haven't talked about money for a long time. And I saw that we were spending all of this money on going out to eat, the two of us, like once a week, you know, plus a babysitter. And I said, oh my goodness, we're spending all this money. Um, we have to stop. And Glenn looked at me and he said, no, this is exactly what we should be spending our money on. We should have been spending our money on this all along. All along. This big moment where I realized we were doing everything right by the financial book, but we weren't actually putting our money on what mattered to us and what was giving us real happiness in our life. And I think that that moment suddenly broke me into this realization that it's time to bring people back to what money is about, which is about matching who you are as a person. Oh, I so that's how I started getting into value and invest and I started a blog, I started writing about it and I started doing some behavioral couch, coaching with people and I shifted mostly to working with women. That was the big kind of like lightning moment. That's amazing. What a lesson. What, that's interesting because I see where you went directly to like, you know, often people don't like, we, we got to cut out date night. We got to stop doing these things because we got it very expensive and it is by the time you add up what you spend to go out and what you spend on a babysitter it's crazy but that's such a great 
you know, revelation that your husband had that, no, this is the important stuff. Or how many people are on the other side of the spectrum that have no savings that are spending all the money on all the things and would not be prepared for what you guys, you know, had happen. Um, So it is like money is such an important lesson just in general. So this is awesome. I mean, one of the things that we talk about a lot when I'm talking with other women is getting away from stereotypes like I'm a saver versus I'm a spender. Um, First of all, that's just something you've decided to tell yourself. Okay. I spend, I save. I, I don't, that's like totally relative, right? If you were to take the cheapest, most frugal person in the United States and you compare them to somebody in a different country, they would probably look like crazy spenders, right? It's totally relative. So first of all, break away from, I'm a saver, I'm a spender, right? It's not helpful. It's not helpful. What we do is we talk about who are you now and who do you want to be in the future? How can you show kindness to yourself now? How can you show kindness to yourself in the future? Because that's really what you're doing when you're saving is you're not doing it because of fear. Some of us are, but ideally you're not. What you're doing it is because you're saving because you want to be kind to your future self. What does that look like? You know what the other problem is? Really being kind to themselves now. They're not as good at being kind to themselves in the future, or they're good at saving, right? Be kind to myself in the future, right? That's what Glenn and I were doing. We're kind to ourselves in the future with our money. Problem is, like a little trade-off. Like I can be this person or this other person, and you can actually be kind to yourself in the present and kind to yourself in the future. And what we've discovered is that most people have about five big areas that bring them total happiness for spending today with their money. They're treating money. 87 things that they're spending money on are all bringing them the same happiness today. Mm. Not true. For many people, you're like me, I drink a lot of coffee. <laughs> if it wasn't an audiophile, you'd all see that my teeth are a little yellow. <laughs> the reality is a really beautiful, nice hot cup of coffee brings about as much happiness as almost anything else. You're really talking about how you feel, right? How I feel. For someone else, it's getting their hair done. They just feel incredible. They feel like a thousand dollars. Problem, you're thinking that everything else you're spending your money on is actually giving you that same feeling. Um, Not everything gives that feeling, right? Um, So that's where we have the problem with our budget. Because if you don't know what really makes you feel incredible, and then you just lean it down and you focus on those things, you're going to feel great today. You'll still have some time to be kind to yourself in the future, but you'll be kind to yourself in a way that matters to you. You know who doesn't care about getting their hair done? Yeah. You don't care about getting their hair done. That does not make them feel great. Okay, I'm sure there are some men, but (laughs) not not really, okay? So women need to really tune into that. 
if getting your hair done every six weeks matters to you, then you need to make it a priority. But don't pretend that everything else is the same priority. That's the problem that we start playing games with ourselves. We want to say that everything makes us happy, but it's actually not true. It's not really. So that's one of the things that we've been able to kind of work through. It gets you away from that, oh, I have to do a budget. Because if you know top areas, then you can I love that. The coffee analogy is really good. Uh, my husband actually asked me last night, I've been having a lot of trouble sleeping lately. <laughs> he said, um, if someone told you that uh, you had to give up coffee to sleep at night, what would you do? He said, if you had to give up coffee, but you could sleep, what would you do? And I'm like, oh, you're just a rotten human being to even ask me such a question. Like, it gives me so much joy to drink my coffee in the morning. But yeah, that's a great way to, because I think when we feel like we have to save, um, we feel like we, have to, we can't have any of those indulgences or things that we love that keep us, you know, happy in life. And by well, the way, I make most people get off of coffee too. Just side note. Let's <laughs> <because laughs> <I> have coffee. <laughs> most women are very sensitive to coffee. So, but yeah, it's a good, it's a, it's a great point. And I think like you're saying um i think especially just for women in general they're like well yeah that this makes me feel great this makes me feel great this makes me feel great and i feel like i i see that happening a lot with like moms that stay at home because it's kind of one of the only things they feel like they get to do is shopping you know whether it's the grocery shopping or the whatever um, and in talking budgets, I'm super excited about this part because I have paid off substantial debt a couple of times. Um, and I'm, you know, excited to pay off just some last things now. Um, but for a lot of people looking at a budget is very intimidating because you have so many things coming in and out of your account. Like just recently I went through all of my auto withdrawals again and I'm like, oh my gosh, holy cow, I don't even use this or this or this or this, you know? So it's great. It's so important to be aware. Um, so I'm excited to hear about that part. Well, what if when you approached your budget, instead of saying, oh, you know, I'm doing such a bad job with this. What if instead when you approached a budget exercise, you said, oh, wow, this is an opportunity to see how I want to live my life, right? So someone has a subscription to Netflix and someone else doesn't. <laughs> well, maybe that subscription to Netflix, that's how you chill out. Maybe you don't have a lot of money right now, right? Maybe you're trying to pay off debt. You have a Netflix subscription. Well, maybe don't cancel the Netflix subscription because that becomes your de facto date night. You don't have much right now to put, you know, to put towards going out to eat because you're putting it towards debt. Think about it as how can I be kind to myself, right? People approach budgeting because they think it's their way to beat themselves into becoming the person they're supposed to be. And here's what I want everyone to know. You are enough. You are worthy right now. Budget is simply a way for you to become the person you want to be. And the problem that most people have with the budget is that what they realize is, I've screwed up in the past. I've made a mistake. And they think they're held 
hostage by their mistakes. They think I can't change. I want who is ever on this podcast to know you are not held hostage by your mistakes. You're not held hostage by something that was done to you in your past. When you start approaching your finances, it is an opportunity to become more closely the person that you want to be. But you're going to have to think about what that means. Who do I want to be? That can sometimes be a little scary, right? Sometimes getting honest with yourself, ooh, maybe I don't actually want to be this person that I'm going to have to change. But can I actually do that? Can I make it? And the exciting part is it's a process. The budget that I have now does not look like the budget that I had, you know, five, seven years ago. Why? Because I've gotten better at figuring out how to manage my money in a way that makes sense for me. Mm. I've overcome a lot of fears. Fear is a big thing. You don't want to mess up. Well, you know what? You're going to mess up. I've messed up so many times. My biggest mess up, I'm going to talk about this for just a second on the budgeting front, but the biggest mess up that I've made consistently is I have not negotiated for the correct salary amount when I started new jobs. I was so scared that they were gonna say no, that I have consistently asked for less money than I really could have gotten. You know how I know? Because one interview, I remember I was negotiating for something and I talked to another guy that was consulting for the company, maybe like eight months later. And it came up and he said, oh, I told him that you'd probably ask for X. And it was like $10,000 more than I had asked for. And they had been prepared to pay me $10,000 more a year than I had asked for. But I still remember sitting at that like lunch table and being asked about what the salary requirement was. And I'm like, I don't want to look like I'm asking for too much. Mm-hmm. You know what that really is? That's not, that's not valuing my work. Mm-hmm. What that's saying is I didn't value myself enough to say, this is what I'm worth. And yes, I do expect you to pay me what I'm worth. Yeah. I've done that many times in my life. And a lot of women have, right? Because we're kind of trained as we grow up not to do a lot of asking, right? (laughs) You have to wait to be asked. The boys ask the girls to prom. The girls have to wait to be asked. Okay. So I know. I asked out my date to prom my junior year. Good for you. Just as a side note, right? But think about that kind of a mistake. Think about, so I worked for that particular company for four or five years. If you, what you realize that even with my income increasing some and, you know, I got some bonuses and stuff, that translated to missing out on between 40 and $50,000, that one mistake. You think that wouldn't have made a big difference in my life when I got laid off later on? Yeah. I never thought, oh, geez, if I had just done a better job, we'd have had more money now, right? Um, these types of mistakes, they come back and they haunt you. Mm-hmm. And then you start to do the budget. You're like, oh, I'm just so bad with money. Why didn't I do a better job? Oh, man. It, it is tough. It brings up a lot of stuff, right? Yeah. Because it's not the, oh, oops, I should have asked for more money. Oops, next time. It's the... I know deep down I screwed up because I could have I could have put myself out there, but I was scared and I let my fear control me. And that's what comes up when you're doing the money. 
And that's why people don't go back to the budget because they're having to deal with all this emotional stuff in the background and hard, right? That's the thing that's hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's important. So one, we have, so it's important to recognize things that truly make you happy um, and allow yourself to keep those things in your life, right? Um, what about, is there like a set maybe like percentage of your income that you should try to set aside each month or week or whenever you get paid? Like what's a, what's kind of a rule for that, for saving? So a good rule for saving is whatever you think you can save right now, start. Hmm. Okay. Start now. Unless you're in massive loads of consumer debt, you got to pay it off. Okay. You got, if you got heaps of consumer debt, which is at an interest, I mean, some of this debt is at interest rates of 15 to 18%. That is crazy. You got to pay that down. Okay. You got to pay that debt down. That is way better. If you can pay debt down, that's at like 15 to 18%. That is so much better than just creating a savings fund, right? Mm -hmm. You got to get that debt out of the way. Consumer debt is going to kill you. So if you can get that consumer debt out of the way, that really high interest debt out of the way, that's the first step. If you don't have major debt hanging over your head, right? You don't have that kind of major debt hanging over your head. Then the first step is start saving what you think you can save now. Just start. Because here's what's more important than the percentage. It's the habit. The habit is what you've got to cultivate. Because you want to create in yourself the mindset, I'm the person that saves. So if it's $10, you start with 10. If it's $1, start with one. Okay, everyone can do it with one. Mm -hmm. But here's a good way to start. Think in terms of a percentage or a dollar amount. Pick what's more meaningful to you. But let's say that you have $100,000, and I'm using 100,000 because it's around, so people don't have 100,000. Let's say that you're a family that, $100,000 coming in a year. If you don't know how much is coming in a year, go find out. Mm. Nothing wrong. Lots of people don't know. In fact, my husband has a little story that once his boss him a salary, he actually knew what the exact salary amount was down to the penny. And his boss said, I have been working for 30 years. I have never had an employee that knew their salary. If you don't know exactly how much is coming in, it's okay. That would put you in a camp with lots of people. Find out how much is coming in, and if you're not saving anything at all, shoot for 10%, then up it to 15, and then you're going to want to up it a little bit higher, right, to that, right? But for most people, what your goal is, is to save consistently until you have what's called the emergency fund, which is usually around three months. For some people, if you work intermittently, like if you are a consultant and your money is varied, you might want it to be higher. But for most people, they don't have any money saved. So I say start now and do about 10% to 15%. Work yourself up to a month and then work yourself up to another month. See if you can get up to three months because life's going to be happening in between. So right? just to clarify, you're saying save enough money so that you can pay your bills. You could get by for three months without an income. So an emergency fund is what you use to cover ad hoc problems. But when we say a month, 
what we're saying is your necessary expenses for one month. So we're talking housing, utilities, transportation, food, and then any obligations you have. Because a lot of us have things like a car loan. Uh, some people have to factor in something like some childcare expenses. Because let's say you lose your job, you don't want to have to pull your kid completely out of daycare because what if you then have lost the spot later on, right? So you know you need to have some buffer. What if you want to might be different than somebody else's, right? A single person's necessary expenses might be different than someone that has two kids, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Life insurance, you want to can keep that premium in there, right? If you're going to have, know you have that premium, you're going to probably want to account for something like that. And so what is the best, safest place to save? There's, okay, there's like a bird inside my computer and whenever I talk, it chirps. I don't know if you can hear that, but it's only it's when I terrible. speak. <laughs> um, okay, so what what is the safest place to save your money? So just, just talking, a savings account? Don't put it in the stock market. That is not savings, right? The sa stock market is a great place for investing. It is not a great place for savings. So you can either do a savings account, which would be like a lot of banks offer an advantage savings account where it's at a better, this gives you a little bit more of an interest rate, or you can put it into a money market account. A lot of banks have been getting away from providing just these money market accounts. Like back in the day, like you could go to any bank and they just give you, the, they provide it as a product. So you might have to shop around, you can go to like Fidelity, you can go to Vanguard to get a money market account. But these are accounts which will keep your money safe. It's a super low interest rate. So this is not money that's gonna be growing, okay? It is there to safeguard you from the risk of real life, right? I talked about it at the beginning. Your uh, septic tank goes, okay, where's that money coming from? For us, we have that money in a money market account and you can just write a check off of it, right? You can just withdraw it right away. It's, it's immediately available to you when you need it. Mm -hmm. and we Toilet. Toilet to meet necessity, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. There's things like, I know Bank of America where I bank, I, I do a like keep the change transfer. So every dollar I spend, or you know, if it's 82 cents, they'll put the extra 18 cents into a, um, into a savings account. So there's lots of little options. Are you laughing because you can hear the chirp? No, I'm laughing. laughing at my keep the change. <laughs> I have little feet. You have little chirps. I have little feet. <laughs> oh, yeah. We saw a little bit before. Um, but so things like that, there's little ways that you can save that, you know, little bits of change here and there can definitely add up over time. Mm -hmm. So you can make saving money kind of a game. So some people, this works really good for them, right? For me, I have to make it automatic because everyone thinks I'm super disciplined. I actually just automate a lot of things, right? So I don't have to think about them. Yeah. So I just kind of automate that I, we have an account, we know about what the dollar amount is supposed to be in there. And if it's, if we had to pull some money out, like, you know, had to deal with new tires in the car or something, whatever, right? We just kind of monitor that. But I know other people that play a game with their kids or their husband, and they'll do things like, let's find all the loose change in the house or who can save the most money this month. So if you're competitive or you like games, it works really well. And you can do like tick marks and see who can do like tick marks the fastest down a board. So you 
could say your spouse, your son, you, and then it's, you know, found loose change gets you a ticker mark. Um, put money into the savings account, right? When I got my paycheck, I put some extra money away. We get you another check mark. Some people love these games. Um, games kind of actually stress me out. And <laughs> want people to know is just because something doesn't work for you because I have tried it all okay I have tried it all just because something didn't work for you it doesn't mean you're bad at it it just means that thing didn't work for you yeah try a different way try a different way like if your kid's struggling with reading you don't just go oh but you're bad with reading you try a different way okay try covering the word up this way Try, um, maybe you'll, you'll try a different reading curriculum. Try something different, right? You talk to the teacher, right? Try a different way, right? Just go, oh, well, you know, I'm just going to give up on that. I guess you just won't read. <laughs> no, people totally work. You have to find something that works for you. Some people love the save the change because then with each purchase, they know they're making a little bit of a progress. Right. And it's a connection point, right? Because you're connecting one behavior with another behavior, which is right. really Okay, I love that. Um, I have Steph, do you have questions? I keep butting in here. I have some listener oh, questions written down. So I'll just ask the questions um, from our listeners. And then Ariel, you can share about how your program works. Um, so I had someone ask how, or okay, should women have separate like accounts from their partners? A word I try to avoid is should, but I'll take the question, okay? <laughs> problems that a lot of people have is they use should because they're trying to look for the perfect solution and there just is no perfect solution. But here's what I'm going to say. Um, women and men who are, uh, who are married, right? Because if you're legally connected, the law does not actually distinguish between his or her accounts. If you were getting separated, they would not distinguish that. Um, there's kind of some interesting dynamics we play in relationships around money. <laughs> Sometimes we say, oh, you know, that's his money and that's her money. Well, always remember that if the worst were to come to the worst, um, it, it's not distinguished by law. And that's very important for women to know. Um, two things. One, should you? Um, it's totally about your preference. Yeah. Two models that seem to work really well are... You have a checking account, he has a checking account or a savings account, whatever. And then you have a joint account and you decide a percentage of your income. So all of the money goes into the joint account and then you decide, you know, each of us gets $100 a month or $1,000 a month that goes out of the joint account into our checking account. Or you each have money coming into your checking accounts and you use your joint account to pay the bills. And then you each contribute a certain amount to the joint account and you pay the bills that way. Got it. Okay. The only way to do it, I'm just going to say this, is have it all in one place. Yeah. Which is actually what my husband and I have. The one thing you need, though, is you need the lights on. Here's why. That encourages trust and accountability. And when you are not controlling your spouse, <laughs> right? It's not about control as a whole other topic. You want to know what's going on. What happens if someone's in a car accident and they're in the hospital 
and you don't know what's going on with the money. You want to make it super easy to get access to what's going on, right? Because you're a team, right? Yeah. So you need transparency. So I always tell folks, you do whatever you want to do with your money, but it should be transparent. You should know what's going on. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, okay, so another question was, what is the biggest mistake that you see women making financially? Oh, wow. That is such a great question. So here's what I would say. Um, I'm going to answer in two ways. Mm -hmm. The first one is women aren't paying attention to their money. That's actually really men and women. They're just not paying attention to it. And I think a lot of that is related to these issues of fear. Oh, I'm not good about it. Or I'm going to see mistakes I've made in the past. Mm -hmm. If there's one thing you do, just start paying attention. Start thinking about how you handle your money. Look at how much your salary is. Look at how much your savings. Imagine a worst case scenario. What would happen if I lost my job? What would I do, mm -hmm. right? You are in control. You can manage the majority of what's going on in your life because you manage uh, your reactions, right? You can manage your reactions, your responses, and your planning. The second one is, I think a lot of women think that investing is scary. And mm -hmm. I have more a mindset than anything else. And it's like, well, you know, something's going to happen in the future and like smart people invest. Um, no. Lots of people invest. And many, many men who are not smart also invest. They just lose a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Don't be afraid of investing. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, start out. Just by dipping your toe in, you can go to investopedia.com. This is how I did it, by the way. You go to investopedia.com and you sign up for their daily little article. And you can read the first paragraph, which comes up in your email, or you can click on the article. That's how I learned about a lot of things. I just read about it because I didn't know. I grew up poor, okay? <laughs> I did not have a lot of money. My parents didn't do a lot of investing. It was a lot of money education. I didn't know, so I had to educate myself. If you're super scared, just sign up. Start to familiarize yourself. And the second thing is, find out if you're really using, if you have an employer, find out if you're using your employer to the maximum. Are you actually using all of the things that they give you? Like find out. savings accounts, things like that. Savings accounts. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, look at your health insurance. And this doesn't just have to be you. You can take it. I, I function as the HR department, okay? Mm -hmm. So we actually are using, my, my husband has um, a health plan. And so I function as the HR department. I actually review the health plans and I sign up and then he just submits the, he submits the paperwork, mm -hmm. right? So look at what you've already got and then consider, and I'm going to say this, consider upping the amount that you're saving for retirement in either a mutual fund or what's called an ETF, sometimes called fund and ETF is an exchange traded fund. They're both super low fee funds and they are generally um, already covering a wide variety of investment vehicles. So they're much more stable. And what you want to look at in the is the rate of return. And the rate of return should beat 6%. Right? You it has to beat 6%. Okay. If it's not beating 6%, that's probably not your retirement fund right? Your retirement fund should be at least 6%. Mm -hmm. 
most of them are between six and eight. Some return better. And you want to look at like the last 30 years. How did this thing do? Mm-hmm. And if that's, oh my gosh, that sounds so crazy. I don't know how to do that. Don't worry. I didn't know anything about it either. That's why I signed up for investopedia.com and I Googled it. How do I know what the root, how do I find this? How, you can do it, right? But you want to probably, inc- most people are not saving very much for retirement. And we think about investing. That's really what most of us invest for. We invest for a time at which we're not going to be working at some point in our lives. Mm-hmm. And the kindness that you're showing to your future self today. Yeah. That's so good. That's all very, very helpful. The, the, the website to go to, because I think so many, especially women are terrified of investing. It just such, seems so big. Um, you answered a couple of the questions I had. Um, the last one I have down is just a small thing that women can do starting today to see, um, to set themselves up. But I think paying attention, number one, starting to save little by little, looking into investing, knowing the amount of money you have coming in. Um, What else would you add to that? So a couple of the things that we talked about, right, were the idea of paying down large aspects of consumer, right? So that would be probably, for many of us, that's where we have to go to. And that feels kind of awkward, right? That can be a little bit awkward. But I'm going to tell you guys, we have all had, most of us have some type of that, right? So you really want to pay attention to that. The second one is start small or start big. And here's what I mean by that. So what I mean by that is you either pick, that is my kindergartner and I moved her computer. So um, what you do is you either pick something that's super small and unintimidating, like I feel so overwhelmed by my financials what's something I can do that's so small, I can't possibly be scared about it. Mm. What I can do that's so small that I can't possibly be scared about it is I could just go onto the website of my company, if you've got an employer or maybe your spouse's employer, and I will just download information on insurance plans, that's it. And you just trick your brain and then Mm. you say, okay, good job and then take a break, and then you tell yourself, what's one other teeny tiny thing that's it's so small, it's not scary, I can do, and you just take one tiny, non-scary step after the other. I love that, because it's like putting your shoes on when you want to start out a workout plan, right? Like the first day, you just put on your shoes. The second day, maybe you sit down on the bike. Um, so yeah, baby steps. Baby steps are key. Okay, I'm excited about all this information. That's very exciting and I think will be so helpful. Um, Do you suggest people like doing balance transfers and things like that for credit card debt with high interest rates? Um, So it depends on your volume of debt, right? Um, So I'm gonna talk about a friend of mine. Um, She had a pretty large amount of credit card debt to the extent that she was taking anxiety medication, right? It was very high and it was really causing her a lot of stress. And in her situation, she actually went ahead and she engaged an agency that helped negotiate her debt. She had it over so many credit cards. Mm-hmm. You are at a point with your money that you are truly overwhelmed. There is nothing wrong with asking for some help. 
And I strongly encourage women to use it as their superpower. Women are much better about asking for help than men are. And so in this case, use that. Use that to percent your ability. The second thing though is if your credit card debt is something that you could imagine paying off, I like what's called the snowball method. You list out your debts, um, highest to lowest, and you pay the minimum balance on everything but your lowest debt, and then you pay out that lowest debt amount. Then you go to the next one, and then you continue making the lowest, you know, the minimum payments on those top high debts, and then you pay off the next one. So maybe your first debt was a $100 loan that your brother gave you because you just needed some money to like replace a tire on your car. Mm -hmm. Lowest debt. You go and you pay off that hundred bucks. Your next one is you have a department store credit card and it has like a thousand two hundred dollars on it. So that's you're paying the minimum on all the rest, and then you pay that next credit card off. And you keep going down the line until you get to the big one, which would be like your student loans, for example, if you have student loan debt. Mm -hmm. um, you can do it a variety of ways, but the reason that that mechanism is so great is because it's showing you and it is training your brain that you are in control of your money. Mm -hmm. That's the financial confidence that we're looking for, right? You can do balance transfers and you could, you know, you could take out a home equity line of credit on your house and pay off your credit cards and then you just pay the home equity line of credit. I'm actually in the favor that if you've got, uh, you know, if your debt is like 10% of your income or 15% of your income, you know, that credit card debt, I'm in the favor of proving to yourself you can pay it off on your own. And you start small and you build up. And by the time you get to that last debt, you're like, I am killing this thing off me. I'm doing this. I did this. This is the boost you want to give yourself, right? Because money should be something that you are managing for yourself. Right. I love that. Very empowering. Not just moving it around. Um, and I'm not a big fan of balance transfers. People do it. Okay. Look, I know people have done it. Um, I don't really tell people exactly what to do with their money. I just like to tell people this way probably is going to give you the bigger long-term bang for your buck. Okay. That's, that's really good. And I can imagine just, you know, having that one less bill every month or being able to cross that one thing off would just be you know, so empowering if you were feeling kind of stuck in a financial situation. And then you're building your credit back up as you're going instead of then you're balancing, you're taking a hit or, you know, I know people that balance, balance, or sorry, transfer, 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 you know, so. Well, so I'm going to tell you, um, I had some student loan debt. So when I got married, my husband had um, $10,000 of stock because that's, he had been getting that. And when we got married, uh, he brought that $10,000 of stock into our marriage. And what I brought in was $17,000 of student loan debt. So <laughs> there we started off, it was glorious. And I just really paid that debt slowly because it was a low interest, okay? Mm -hmm. I was paying it slow and I was paying it slow. And then finally we had saved up some money and I just looked at my husband, I said, I am sick of this debt. I have been paying this debt for like 
10 years. What am I going to be done paying this debt? I'm so sick of this thing. It's like just hanging on me. And so we talked about it and we looked at our money and we looked where we were and he goes, you know what? It's fine. You want to pay it off? And it was about $8,000. And I remember making that $8,000 payment. And the first thing I did was I poured myself a glass of wine that night. For dinner. <laughs> glass of wine, I was like, I have gotten, I have retired this debt. I mean, I could have been paying on that thing for like a couple decades. Yeah. And I, I just was tired of it. There's something just freeing about getting rid of that, right? Yeah, that's amazing. So you have created a program for women to empower women in their finances. So tell us about that. I feel like there's going to be a lot of interest in this. This is this is exciting stuff and stuff that so many, everybody has to deal with money, right? I have a six week program that I do individual coaching where I take people and we start off um, on the first session. What we do is we walk through just kind of where you are right now with your money and personal goals. And we talk a little bit about what that means and we get a feel. And then the second one is we don't actually go straight into money. We start out with your values. And we talk about what are the driving characteristics that you want to show in your life and that you want to show in your finances. Then we move on to talking about, okay, what does that mean? So one person says, I want to be generous. And what they mean is I want to be able to have the availability and the time to help someone out with their kids when they're in the hospital, make people meals and bring that to them. That is my generosity, right? Somebody else says, you know, I want eventually to be able to have a charitable foundation. Now those people, they're both generous, but they're different. There's nothing wrong or right with either, just different. Guess what? The habits that we form really need to match with that picture that we've gotten, right? So on my value is generosity. I know how I want to be generous. Now I want to align my habits to that. So a person that's working on their charitable foundation, well, they might not be watching somebody else's kids at the drop of the hat. Maybe they like doing that, but if that's really your goal, you're going to have to handle your money a little differently. But if you're someone that wants that availability and that's how you want to show it, then your habits mean you better carve out a little bit of time in your schedule and uh, bump up your grocery budget, right? So we start the budget only after we've identified those top things. And what that does, it gets rid of a lot of the pain and a lot of the fear because we're not starting off with, oh, okay, I need to cut this thing and I should probably bump this up and how I should, remember the should, and instead, we're starting the budgeting from a place that says, I know what I'm going for, and I'm going to start doing it now. But I also created a small program, which you can just buy. Um, it's, a series of, um, it's a series of audio files, which you can download. It's an online course, and it deals with a hot topic. It's called financial forgiveness. Um, and that is women oftentimes hold deep fears and of guilt around their money. And I developed this because it was such a big issue that came up with many, many women that I was talking. And I just thought, well, just, I'm just going to create this as a little gift to them. So this course really digs into this idea of why do we feel bad about financial decisions? 
you know, let's say that you had a plan to save money and then you didn't save your money and you feel bad about it. The thing that you're forgiving isn't just, oh, you know, I haven't been handling my money right. The thing that you're really forgiving is I haven't been treating my future self in a kind way. Mm. You start dealing with your money, you need to start dealing with yourself. And when you take that course, um, it gives you that opportunity to understand what those deeper mistakes are. And then I just give people a script, a script working through to actually forgive those things. Could be forgiving yourself, could be forgiving something you did to someone else. Sometimes someone's done something to us. Hmm. We have to forgive what's been done to us because it's holding us back in our own behaviors. So forgiveness is probably one of the best habits we can have in our life, but we really need to start applying that, I think, to money. Um, it's that I created a platform for this. It's at www.valueandinvestacademy.com. Um, and I think it's been really helpful for the folks that have taken it. There's been a lot of good feedback on it. Um, and if it would help anyone in the activator community, that would be so cool. It would. I, I know. I know people right off the top of my head that, that it could help so much, in, including Steph and myself. Um, it's very exciting. Um, I know you're offering our activators um, in your uh, in your ad. We, we shared last week and this week um, a discount on the program. Uh, so that's very generous of you and we appreciate that very much. So we're going to continue to talk about that and pass that along. Uh, is there anything else that we didn't ask you that we should have or that we've left out? I think the biggest thing that I want to share is that women need to get over this idea that they're bad with money. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You are not bad with money. Okay. You have some issues aligning your money with the person you want to be but you can do it. You're not bad at money. Um, in fact, statistically, women are actually better at most aspects of their finances than men are. Mm -hmm. I thought you were gonna say most aspects of life. <laughs> well, money is life, but yeah. <laughs> We're gonna have to fact check that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, this is awesome. I love all the information. And, you know, a lot of people, that's probably why they're never able to hold a, hold a budget or, you know, move forward in paying off debt and getting to a place where they're saving and or investing because they're not dealing with those things that are deep down inside. Like yeah, we have this you know, limiting belief that they're not good with money. And so I guess I'm just not good with money and this yeah, is what my life is going to look like. Yeah. And it's so important. I love that you said like with the negotiation and here's the thing with me, like I'm that person that anybody I know that's going for a job, I'm like, listen, you tell them this and you know, that, you know, you, you negotiate and whatever, but it's funny because people are like, you're just, you're so lucky. You're so successful. And it's like, well, there's a lot of work that went behind this. However, for many years and probably still my biggest fear is fear of abundance right? Even as successful as I am, that's just something that's tied to a lot of us as women. And so um, I just think it's great that you are, that that's what you're addressing first. I think it's very important to address that first versus just another, I mean, I've done like every, you know, every little app that you do and you can put, you know, budget, things like that, your budget or like what's going to this and this and this. And I'm like, I don't know. 
you know, like, I don't really care. I know how to pay, like my bills are paid, everything's good, you know? So um, I think that that is the thing that's missing for most people is to actually like, hey, let's look at what's actually going on and then talk about that budget. So that's awesome. Okay, so valueandinvestacademy.com is your website and where people can get information about your program. And oh, I'm very excited. I think this has been amazing. Great information. So thank you so much. Well, I love the Activator podcast because it's two strong women that are supporting one another, which is totally not the norm as we see two strong women usually tearing each other down in normal life. So I love seeing the two of you work together and it's such a privilege to be with the two of you. Thank you so much. So kind. Thank you. I appreciate that. And I appreciate you always also being a woman that will fix everyone else's crown because <laughs> it doesn't always happen that way, as you said. Um, but yay, thank you guys. And um, we have doors opening and kids running around and dogs oh, barking and all of the things. Birds chirping. <laughs> birds chirping, little feet stomping alarms dinging um but anyways thank you so much for being here with us today and i'm super excited um yeah i think we'll have a lot of people that are going to be interested for sure so thank you for taking the time today thank you so much it's my pleasure you guys have a wonderful rest of the day you as well bye-bye thank you bye that's a wrap on another episode of activate if you found value or were simply entertained please subscribe rate and review us on your favorite podcasting platform also be sure to follow us on activate pod on facebook and instagram so you don't miss a thing thanks for your support today's the perfect day to activate your life we love y'all